Welcome back to The Savvy Psychologist. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and every week I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. Okay, before 2013, only personality psychologists and career counselors cared about introversion and extroversion. But when Susan Cain published her bestseller, Quiet, everything shifted. People who had previously thought they were too quiet, shy, hard to get to know, or, as Cain put it, somewhere between a disappointment and a pathology, were suddenly granted permission to see their entire personalities, not to mention their preference for staying in on Saturday night, in a whole new light. Naturally, as with any movement, it didn't take long for the pendulum to swing to the extreme end. After a lifetime of being told they were inadequate, suddenly introverts were framed as delicate Zen masters with deep human connections and even deeper creative thoughts, while extroverts were painted as shallow party animals with lampshades on their heads, getting by on charm and superficial networking. Uh Uh-oh, you could almost hear the backlash coming. Simultaneously, an interest in personality exploded, and you couldn't scroll through your Facebook feed without being urged to click on quizzes promising to reveal your true nature, from the official Myers-Briggs to the considerably less official BuzzFeed. Who could resist pick some cupcakes and will reveal which Harry Potter character you are, or go shopping at Target and will tell you which iconic drag queen you are? Side note, apparently I am Hermione and Bob the Drag Queen, both of which are oddly accurate. Well done, BuzzFeed. Well done. Where does all this put us today? Well, the introvert movement has swung back from its extreme, and thinking about personality has grown more nuanced. Quizzes that reveal what percent Cardi B you are, notwithstanding. Even so, some myths about introverts and extroverts have stuck like gum on a city sidewalk. Therefore, in this two-part series, we'll bust the myths of introversion and extroversion. First up, three myths about introverts. Myth number one is introverts don't like people. This stereotype makes it sound like introverts would rather be waterboarded than make small talk, or that their dream home is an isolated lighthouse on a remote island. But a study out of the University of Illinois found that extroverts and introverts spend about the same amount of time alone and about the same amount of time socializing. Even more importantly, the researchers found that introverts showed pretty much the same increase in happiness as extroverts when hanging out with other people. So, if introverts spend about the same amount of time socializing and get the same mood boost when they do, why does this stereotype exist? Well, that is a million-dollar question. But in general, introverted people have a lower tolerance for stimulation, which includes social stimulation. And, naturally, they dislike the feeling of being drained and overwhelmed. Disliking the negative feelings of overstimulation often gets conflated with disliking people. But it's not misanthropy, it's self-preservation. Myth number two, introverts are depressed and anxious. This is a tough myth to shake. Indeed, in a study of almost 2,000 individuals seeking mental health treatment, extroversion 
was inversely related to depression, meaning that the more extroverted someone was, the less likely they were to be depressed. Plus, there's more. Studies show that people are generally happier when they act extroverted. For example, a study out of Wake Forest University pinged participants five times a day for 13 days and asked how they both acted and felt during the previous hour. And a pattern emerged. When participants reported being talkative, energetic, assertive, or adventurous, they also reported feeling good. But wait, there is even more. A groundbreaking study in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology instructed super introverts and super extroverts, defined as those at the top or bottom 20% of an extroversion scale, to act either introverted or extroverted during a group task. And regardless of whether they were natural introverts or natural extroverts, everyone reported enjoying the discussion more when they were assigned to act extroverted. Okay, what does this avalanche of research mean? Essentially, pretty much everyone gets energized and feels good from social interaction, extrovert and introvert alike. And this is tough for introverts to swallow. It makes it seem as if something is wrong with how we're wired. But overall, the myth that introverts are depressed and anxious likely persists from the tendency of introverts to withdraw in order to recharge. And sometimes introverts accidentally go too far. Withdrawing to the point of isolation, no matter your personality type, can lead to feeling disconnected and lonely, both of which hang together with depression and anxiety. So, to bust the myth, think of it this way. For introverts and extroverts alike, interacting with fellow humans is generally rewarding and invigorating. But for introverts, being alone is also rewarding and invigorating. And this gives introverts the best of both worlds. They can feel happy alone and happy when they decide to channel their inner extrovert and interact. In other words, introversion and extroversion may be personality traits, but they can also be behaviors. To reap the benefits, introverts can co-opt the best parts of extroversion and bust the myth along the way. Okay, and now, myth number three. Introverts prefer to be alone. Not necessarily. Introverts do need to recharge more often and for longer durations than extroverts, but they don't necessarily need to be in solitude to do it. Introverts burn out from overstimulation, but when they retreat to recharge, they're often happy to bring a partner or other trusted confidant along with them. For introverts, it's a balancing act. Too much isolation can leave us lonely and insecure. Two flavors no one wants world together. And too much stimulation can leave us exhausted. But we don't necessarily need a respite from people. Instead, we need a respite from stimulation. For example, an introvert might very well hate parties, but it's not simply because there are people present. Instead, it's just too much of everything. Dancing and lights and loud music and people, including strangers. As an alternative, introverts might adore a dinner party where they can sit and connect, be the last person standing at a game night, or chat for hours with their best friend. Again, it's not people per se, 
its stimulation. Interestingly, some socially anxious introverts even love crowds. Why? Well, there is a sense of blending in. Like a herd of caribou or a flock of geese, there is safety in numbers. It's a magical way to draw energy from others without having to interact. With such a variety of humanity around you, it's a great way to feel more normal and more validated. And who among us, introvert or extrovert, couldn't use more of that? Thank you for making the Savvy Psychologist a part of your life. Next week, we'll celebrate the Savvy Psychologist 200th episode with five ultimate tips for a happy life. And the week after that, we'll continue our series and bust myths about extroverts. Now, if you are someone, or if you love someone, who can be shy, awkward, or socially anxious, check out my first book, How to Be Yourself, Quiet Your Inner Critic, and Rise Above Social Anxiety. It is chock full of tools to use when those socially anxious moments strike. And Susan Cain herself called it a groundbreaking roadmap to finally being your true, authentic self. If you've already picked it up, I hope you loved it and that it was helpful. And no matter where you bought it, please do leave a review on Amazon. As always, The Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and doesn't substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Have a lovely week, and I will see you here next Friday for a happier, healthier mind.